the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Ain't none of y'all sitting where you normally sit. I ain't going to be able to preach this morning. God bless you. So good to see all of you. I wish I could just put my arms around all of you and just hug you. Only thing that would make it better was if uh, all the rest of the alphabet was here, wasn't it? Amen. Amen. So glad we can do this today, though. Thank the Lord. And we'll, hopefully we won't have to continue it long, but we appreciate you cooperating with us and making it uh, as easy as possible on the deacons. I know there's a few folks that have expressed um, that they feel still a little bit uncomfortable in coming. And if you have underlying issues... That probably would be wise. Faith don't make us ignorant, does it? So if you feel uncomfortable in being here, uh, we certainly appreciate, you know, you're watching over yourself and, and us. So you keep in mind that you're not just trying to keep from getting something, but you could keep from passing it to me or somebody else. So we'll just do it and God will help us one. Boy, when we get back to normal, won't it be something? Amen. Amen. God bless you. So love you and appreciate you. Appreciate you working with the Deacon Brothers. As I said, we'll dismiss um, after, at the end of the service, whenever we finish, we will, um, you, you can be seated whenever we're finished. Um, now remember, we're not going to put a clamp on the Spirit of God. Door. We've come here to have church now. Amen. We've come to have church and then we'll, you know, take care of all these other things, but Whenever we dismiss, we'll dismiss you um, a row at a time. They'll dismiss out this way and out this way, and the Deacon Brothers will help you. Once you get out on the parking lot, fellowship all you want to. No hugging, no none of that stuff. Social distance. We don't want to stop now. We don't want to stop. We don't want somebody to get sick, and we have to shut the church down. So we want to be able to do, do what we can do. And then we'll... We'll resume as soon as we can. Praise the Lord. Amen. Now we got all that done. Let's turn to Second uh, Corinthians chapter five, verse seventeen. Certainly, like to wish all the mothers present and those that are streaming today a happy Mother's Day. God bless you, mothers, for what you give, giving your life to your children and trying to raise them in the right way. May God bless you on your special day. May every day be a proper Mother's Day for you. <clears throat> I want to speak to you today, um, if the Lord would help us on, y'all pray for me because I am very nervous. I ain't preached to this many people in I don't know how long, so it's just like I'm my first time sort of here this morning, so I know it sounds crazy to you since I've been preaching all my life, but it's, uh, it's different when you've got three or four guys and three or four guys sitting there, and um, but... I'm so happy we could be back together today. I want to speak to you on reconciliation through kenosis. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. I'll tell you one thing. If the Lord never answers another prayer for you the whole time you're a Christian, if you are the fulfillment of that verse of Scripture, 
You ought to be one of the happiest people on the face of the earth. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ. Now listen to that carefully. Who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ. Now, that's wonderful. But then look at this other part of this verse, how that he says, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. So after we are reconciled, then he turns around and gives to us the ministry of reconciliation. Now, let me just say this right from the beginning. This is why everybody cannot really reconcile people to God. Even every preacher is not called with the ministry of reconciliation because they're preaching to a church which is not bride. So what are they doing? Offering salvation to an unworthy people. Offering heaven. Offering a way of escape to a people who are not of his kind. But true bride preachers have ministry of reconciliation. Praise the Lord. And has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. To wit, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Now, notice how the ministry of reconciliation works. Only true God-filled men can reconcile. Now, somebody might lead you to a, a, a knowledge that Jesus died for you on the cross. Still don't mean that they've settled the enmity between you and God. We're talking about true friendship and reconciliation. To wit that God was in Christ. This is the way he reconciled. Reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them. And has committed unto us the logos of reconciliation. So we not only have a ministry to reconcile, but we have a word, which is the message of the hour, the light of the day. Amen. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. Praise be to God. We pray you in Christ's stead. Be you reconciled to God. Well, we can go home now. We've been blessed to be here. Think of it, children. Think what God's given to us. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, as we stand before you today, Father, we're so grateful. Lord, we're so happy in our hearts that our phase one of our reopening has begun, Lord. We only wish the rest of our family could be here with us, but we're grateful, Father, for those that can be today. We know that you're going to help us, Lord, so we will be able to fully open back up again how we long for that time. Lord, I pray that you'd take your word today and speak to us, Father. Lord Jesus, we stand in need of you. 
I pray, God, that you would anoint me, help me to get out of the way. Help the people, Father, to be able to receive from you, Lord. We are so thankful, Heavenly Father, that you've kept us by your grace through this time. Bring us through this, Lord. Heal our nation. Heal our world. God, in the name of Jesus, we rebuke this disease, this plague of Satan. May it go back to hell where it come from, Lord. We want our peace back. Lord God, the fear that Satan's tried to put on even many of your people, it's to rob us of our joy and our peace. We resent it today, Lord. May it go back to where it come from. Speak to us today, Father. This prayer costs a hold of my hand. You know the need, Lord God. Minister to the individual, I pray, in the name of the Lord Jesus. And the saints said, Amen. Wow. Did you seven or eight brothers that's been here with me, did you all hear that? Would you all bless us again and say it again? Thank you, thank you, thank you. Now, if you don't do that when I preach, I'm taking my belt off. God bless you. You can be seated. Let's read Romans chapter 5 before we pick up here in, in 2 Corinthians. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled. To God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. Now, reconciliation implies a former state of friendship or fellowship, and a breach has come between at least two parties. And something has defiled this state that previously existed. And you need someone that can be able to go between the two parties and be able to make a reconciliation. It cannot be just anyone or any being. But it must be one that understands both sides. And it must be one that can actually feel and relate to both sides of the story. Now, sometimes as a pastor, I get called in on uh, situations to where that maybe there's something between two brothers or something between two families or maybe a husband and a wife or parents and children. And I, I try my best as much as I can to enter in to the feeling of both sides. Now, the truth of it is, some people in reality don't want me to do that. What they want me to do is to see their side. And I've found myself sometimes that if I, in reality, cannot enter into the feeling and understand both sides, I will actually recuse myself. Because I know that my judgment will be impartial. Because of my limited ability to understand where they're coming from. Or the situation that 
they have created, and I try to think about it, and think about it, and think about it, and no matter how hard I try, I simply cannot relate. And I cannot put myself in both states to be able to try to make reconciliation. And if I can see just one side of the story, I definitely will not and absolutely have refused and will continue to do so to even deal or sit down and talk to both parties. Because I feel myself being limited in being able to hear both sides and being able to relate not only intellectually but with my feelings. That makes sense to you. Now, those people who will, you know, want to intervene and want to advise and want to give counsel, and basically they only see, hear, and relate to one side. They will be, they will absolutely be partial no matter how much they love both parties. Because they cannot justly be able to render an impartial judgment because they can't honestly relate to both sides. Now had God chosen an angel, Michael, Gabriel, uh, one of the great angels, ACL, one of the other angels, Wormwood, they would have not been able to have been impartial in rendering this status of reconciliation. Because they are angels and they've dealt with humans of course, but they do not have human feelings. They do not have human relation. They've never been tempted or tried or tested. They've never felt anything that a human feels. So they would actually, even though they're sent to minister to the heirs of salvation, and I, I would imagine they, they love us, if we can understand that. They would love us and they would feel a great inclination from a divine nature toward our cause. Yet if they were pulled and set between God and between us, I can tell you which one they would lean toward. They would lean toward God without question because they do not have the ability to feel a human's feelings. So an angel could not be used as a reconciliatory mediator that God could use that one to mediate between both justly. So, and God himself could not in spirit form come down and be able to reconcile man to himself through himself. How could he reconcile man to himself through himself in the form of the eternal since it was that that man sinned against? And how could he ever reconcile man to himself when it was him who gave the penalty against the man who sinned against the law that man broke? So God knew, of course, that there must be a mediator that would be able to put his hands, as it were, on both parties, the offended and the offender. Now man was the offender, even though he wants to act like he's been the one offended, but in reality man is the sinner. Is that right? We're all that way. 
And reconciliation then implies not somebody that you're going to come to him and you were never part of his economy. Now this is the way the church world preaches salvation, of course. And they are right to the group they're preaching it to. This is why it never fits you when you was out yonder. Because you was not what you were hearing preached. Now it seemed to fit you at the time. But as you go on in God, you realize it was not you at all. You always was an eagle. You never was a chicken that was transformed into an eagle. Amen. We might put a mask on this morning and take it off, but you can't put an eagle beak on a chicken and make it make him a, an eagle. That's right. You might stick feathers in him, but when he flies, the feathers will fall out. Either you was an eagle or you wasn't. That's exactly right. But yet, whenever we come to the message, this is one reason why when the true elect of God embrace the evening light, they are actually embracing who they are from their soul. Because the deposit of the evening seed word can only be quickened by the evening light. And this is the understanding that God has given to us. Oh, it ought to make us so grateful today. To look at what God wanted to do then, he has in mind reconciliation to bring back to him those who were in the Lamb's book of life. Now there must be an agreement which will be reached in the judicial way from the judge himself and those which are the offenders. So our destiny as it were, our judgment was in the judge's hands. So he looks at all of mankind and he pronounces upon us the judgment which is inevitable. That we are cast out of his presence, out of the paradise of God. And yet how is man ever going to get back? And the prophet tells us and relates the beautiful story that as the spirit of God began to move and watch Adam as he walked out with his wife and God was so overwhelmed by this type of love that as he told them to leave that the pillar of fire came down in front of them and hovered down near where they were and God couldn't take it. He just absolutely could not take it. He was so overwhelmed by what he felt and what he saw. Now at this stage, he had not yet become a man. But he saw how that man was willing to forfeit everything that he had for his wife. Forsake his godship. Forsaken his position. Forsaken everything that his was. His health. His peace. His life. His satisfaction. Not only his, but ours. And that love, the prophet said, so overwhelmed God that he came down and stopped in front of the man and the woman and they were going out and the sheepskin was beating their legs and the bloody lamb had shed its life and the blood was running down and the tears was trickling down off of his face down onto her head and his and her tears were commingling together running down on his chest and God stopped them on the way out and say I tell you now you will come back I will bring you back. I will restore you. 
Now, God, of course, gives the prophecy, and it's the first messianic prophecy of the Old Testament, and it was God Himself that gave this. And He gave them a little bit of an insight of what He was going to be, identified as a serpent bruiser. But yet, God, the Spirit, could not become that one which would go between Himself. If you notice the way that Paul said it, that God has reconciled us to Himself by or through the means of or the channel of communication which was Jesus Christ the compound name revealing a compound revelation so Jesus being the human tabernacle or the human body Christos being the one which was anointed now remember when he was born he was born the word which made him little Jehovah in the manger now don't let this confuse you but he was not the fullness of the Godhead because the attribute had not yet entered in him but he was the word and the word is God so when that little toothless baby opened his mouth and cried in the sense it was God crying it was Jehovah and yet it was also entering into a phase that it must be the anointed God you see this is a phase that God had never had before because God never needed to be anointed since he was the anointing himself but he allows himself to enter into the stage of humanity to become the anointed God for the whole purpose of reconciling us now now those of you that have come from a family of more than two or three siblings or at least two and you and your brothers or you and your sisters or whatever more got into an argument and you know one of you uh, was, was the one who tried to make peace all the time or mom did or daddy did and if they couldn't work it out peaceably it's amazing how a belt can talk it's amazing how that you know a switch can talk which we don't use switches in this day of course and belts but we use the countdown 138 139 140 amen but I'll tell you right now it don't work near as good as a belt did but there's something about it in order to bring reconciliation so two brothers are fighting two sisters or brother and sister whatever it was but there, there's something that's missing now how could they fight and be able to enter into that as brothers unless they were brothers uh, all along so something was missing between them that was allowed to enter in between them and break the spot and then a mother a father a brother sister someone else will step in and try to reconcile not make them identical not make them where everything will be exactly like each other but at least resolve this situation in their life to where they can be able to agree that they disagree and that's a great agreement is that right now whenever this comes between friends and we've all had this between friends and I hate it whenever it comes myself I'm sure you do as well but God wanted to bring us back to this spot that he was not only our redeemer and our savior but also the one who rendered to us pardon but he wants to be our friend and a friend shares intimate secrets with his friend so God has reconciled us to the spot to where you know the world is wondering right now what in the world is going on and I'll be the first to tell you today I don't have all the answers myself I certainly don't understand all these things that are going on but I do know this I don't know what all of it happens but I know who holds tomorrow and I 
know one thing, nothing is out of cater, nothing is out of control, and my God knew this was going to happen before it ever happened. And I know this, He will have everything work together for good to them that love the Lord who are the called according to His purpose. And you all believe that as well. So there were obstacles that existed between the eternal and with man. So there must be a rendition of both of them that will be able to stand in the breach and be able to meet the requirement that would be just to satisfy and actually settle the obstacle. So God has an issue with the man because the man chose his own way over the word. And then whenever he done that, then man actually becomes a rebel so it was not a one time mistake and then the man can go back well I'm sorry you know forgive me no something entered into the man when the man forfeited the word it entered into the man and made the man a rebel against God then whenever the man become a rebel then the man actually entered into something to where that he be taken on this satanic evil that made him the pride of life lust of the flesh lust of the eyes and it made him rebel against God look at a man by the name of Moses that was a great, great man. Yet in times in his life, the supernatural moved on him in such a way that he represented God. And there was other times that, my goodness, you can see nothing but the devil in the man's life. Is that right? Look at all the elect down through the Old Testament. So that rebellion was there. The Torah could never take that away from them. The giving of the Mishnah, the giving of the sacrifice, the giving of the law could never take it away. Why? Because the law could not stand between a holy God and an unjust man and breach the gap. The bleeding lamb could never change the man's nature. So God must do something himself. And how could there be a man born and be able to do it? As soon as the man broke the womb every one of them was born a rebel amen so something must be brought that would be able to bring the accusation that God has against the man so God here man, man's plight against God is well you're just and you're holy and Job reiterates this so beautifully in chapter 9, 10 and then 13 on them different chapters there when Job is relating the righteousness of God and he said how I'd like to be able to find him and go up to his house and Job knew that there was something there's got to be a mediator somewhere there's got to be something that can stand between a holy God and a sinful man but he said what is it the mystery of the Messiah had not been made clear to Job until he comes down and finally the revelation struck his heart and he said I know that my redeemer liveth so then Job is able to see that there was someone who could be able to resolve the obstacles which were on both sides now any of us that have ever had any disagreement whether in our family or friends or whatever more and sometimes it just seems it's absolutely impossible y'all have been there as well as I have and no matter how much you try to resolve it and when you talk about it and try to resolve it and it seems like the more you talk about it the bigger it gets and sometimes the bigger it gets you think it's just nearly impossible it just seems out that this thing is unresolvable there's no way to work it out well you imagine magnifying that by millions of times whenever God and his justice and his yet his love 
up. But God could not just simply turn his back on man and say, well, I'm I'm tired of fooling with the man. I ain't going to fool with him no more. I'll make another one. I'll just make a new race. He couldn't do that. Neither could he just say, well, I'll act like you didn't do it. He couldn't do that. But it must be resolved in a mediator which would be able to establish both facts in this one creation. How could it be? An angel would take sides with God. If it was another ordinary man, that ordinary man, guarantee you, would take sides with who? With man. So here is God in what looked like a dilemma, and this is Satan's dilemma, that it was the very heart of God that held the mystery of his own impregnation and bringing together the merging of deity and flesh together, which was the super sign. Now, the super sign, uh, it, it just hit me, I'll tell you, in the last two weeks, as I've been listening to, to the super sign in 1227-59, and been going over and over it again, and I've known for many, many years, of course, as, as you all will agree with me, that the Lord Jesus was the super sign. But I think in my own mind, maybe you haven't, but in my own mind, I've stopped with that unveiling of the super sign, and instead of bringing it on down to where that it unveils to in the bride of this day that I've allowed the Lord Jesus to be the super sign. But I want to tell you, if I don't get to it today, that the super sign is still here. And the super sign is Emmanuel, God with us. Hallelujah. Now, what's this? Another use of this word reconciled, and hopefully it'll, it'll set it a little bit clearer for you. First Corinthians chapter 7 verse 10. Unto the married I command, yet not I but the Lord, let not the wife depart from her husband. But in if she depart, let her remain unmarried or be reconciled to her husband. Now, how could she be reconciled to her husband if he was not her husband to begin with? So reconciliation is not God saving people that were not his. Amen. It is not God. Redemption is not God bringing back those which did not belong to him. So here... A wife, now notice this is natural of course, but there's a spiritual type underlying there. But if she depart, which is what happened to us in the fall, when we departed from our betrothed, which is what Israel did in the Old Testament, let her remain unmarried, which we did not do. Naturally, we departed from our betrothed, which was our beloved, and with our departure from our beloved, then we become united to another nature, which threw us in union to another man. And that man was the devil. That's right. Now notice then Paul said, let her remain unmarried or be reconciled to her husband. And this is why we believe that a woman does not have a right to be remarried as long as she has a living husband. Right? That's what the Bible says. So Paul said, then let the woman remain unmarried or be reconciled. So that means that she's supposed to go back to the man which was her husband. So the ministry of reconciliation is returning the bride back to her husband. 
that she was born lost from or the coin that was out of circulation or the sheep which was lost or the prodigal son which was not a prodigal hog and then turned into a prodigal son actually found peace. He always was a prodigal son. He was just as much a son in the hog lot as he was in his daddy's house. That's why I know it just absolutely stumbles people into the message in future home. The prophet said you wasn't saved on any certain day. You always was saved. You was an attribute in the mind of God. And what is this word, this message? I thank God for my Pentecostal predecessors and my forefathers that actually, you know, give me a a start, Brother Darrell, and help me to get saved, as I would say. But I could never be satisfied remaining there. I could never, ever come to my spot to be ready for the rapture by setting under that type of ministry because it was not properly placing me and restoring me back to my husband. But it left me as what? One unworthy. You'll never be worthy sitting under the ministry. A lot of these men that are preaching to you, you're not deserving. Sure, the flesh is not deserving. But if I come from the eternal the same way he did, he values me as being of a great eternal quality and value. In my flesh, I never will. In your flesh, you never will. But it's not what I see about myself. It's not what you see about yourself. It's what he sees about us that gives us our value. Oh my. Notice this. He said, but if she depart, let her remain unmarried or be reconciled to her husband and let not the husband put away his wife. Now what's the Old Testament type as the Old Testament also foreshadows redemption and reconciliation. Leviticus chapter 16 verse 14. And this is on the day of the atonement or the day whenever there's going to be a releasing of a goat and a killing of a goat. Now this has stumbled theologians for years and years because actually they're going to take two goats and one goat is going to be killed and his blood is going to be sprinkled on the altar and on the horns of the altar and then the other goat is going to be through an act of transferal. The high priest is going to lay his hands on the live goat is what the Bible calls it and then a righteous man, a holy man will take the live goat outside of the city and release the live goat. Now many have looked at the the red the one goat, the one whose life was taken and said well that was the Lord Jesus and then they've looked at the other goat would have been the devil but the prophet said if you do that then you make the devil our sin bearer but he said actually the Lord Jesus was both goats now I know I hate to even say it this way but it was something for him to become a sheep a lamb of God it was even a step even further down to become a goat and he shall take of the blood of the bullock and sprinkle with his finger upon the mercy seat. Eastward before the mercy seat shall he sprinkle of the blood with his finger seven times. Now you imagine they've done this for countless of centuries. And they never truly, fully understood all the numbers, all the significance of what they were doing. What's he supposed to do it seven times? God then speaking about seven church ages. Now here he takes the blood of the bullock and he sprinkles it in a certain direction which was eastward. Then shall he kill the goat of the sin offering. Now notice here's two goats. One of them is identified as the title the goat of the sin offering. And the other one is called the live goat. So both of them are goats but yet they have a different identification according to the role and purpose that they will fulfill. You imagine a goat. Now this is your Lord Jesus. This is how much he loves you. 
This is how much he wanted to redeem you and make you a friend back to God. Then shall he kill the goat of the sin offering that is for the people and bring his blood within the veil and do with that blood as he did with the blood of the bullock. Now the same procedure but yet a different type in the sacrificial offering. And sprinkle it upon the mercy seat and before the mercy seat. So here he goes in with the blood of the goat and sprinkles it on the mercy seat and then he steps back and he sprinkles it before the mercy seat. Verse 18. And he shall go out unto the altar that is before the Lord and make an atonement for it and shall take of the blood of the bullock and of the blood of the goat and put it upon the horns of the altar round about. Now what's he doing? He's making reconciliation on the altar for the sins of the people because it is the day of atonement by which the people are identified. First the priests are cleansed and the high priest of course and then the people of God through what? The atonement of this blood of this goat. Now notice he shall sprinkle the blood upon it with his finger again. Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamos. Hallelujah. Seven times. You imagine they wandered for countless years. Why are we doing this seven times? And the devil wondering, why in the world are they doing this? God was speaking of you and I in the time. Amen. Amen. With his finger seven times and cleanse it and hallow it from the uncleanness of the children of Israel. And when he has made an end of reconciling the holy place. Now remember the holy place was kept holy by the presence of Yashim. But yet here it was because Yashim is identified with the people in this day of atonement. Glory to God. It was not that the presence presence of God needed to be reconciled. But the altar and the cherubims and the word laying inside the ark it was the work of re-cleansing or identification. And the altar must be re-cleansed. Who'd been on it since last year? Nobody. Nobody had touched that altar since last year. But they needed a renewing, a refreshing. Amen. And God said I want you to take it inside there. And he is going to reconcile the altar with Yashim. He's going to reconcile the altar with the presence of Adonai Elohim. And when he has sprinkled the blood on there for the seven church ages, he will have made the work of reconciliation. Then the people following this pattern will be forgiven of their sins. Oh, Lord Jesus. What he has made an ending of reconciling the holy place and the tabernacle of the congregation and the altar. He shall bring the live goat. And Aaron shall lay both his hands upon the head of the live goat. Now here's Jesus and the type of of the dead goat but can you imagine Jesus brother Darrell in his resurrected anti-type of still resembling a goat in the resurrected form now don't look at me funny I've got a quote laying in front of me to prove it to you 
when he has made an end of reconciling the holy place and the tabernacle of the congregation and the altar. Three phases, three pulls of the reconciliation was made by what? The blood of the bullock and the blood of the goat. Now it moves to the stage. Now it moves to the stage after the shedding of the blood that now something is identified by life. Don't take the dead goat's foot. Don't take the dead goat's horn, but take a live goat. Amen. I don't want no dead religion. I'll tell you one thing, friend. I don't want no dead message. I want to live in Christ. This message ain't dead, but the devil's going to try his best to make us where we're just quoters and, you know, we become no more than Amish and Mennonites and all that sort of thing. This message is a living message with a living, resurrected Jesus Christ in it. And Aaron shall lay both his hands upon the head of not the dead goat, the live goat. And confess over him all the iniquities of the children of Israel. And all their transgressions and all their sins. Putting them on the head of the goat. How is that possible? How could, how, how could a man stand there and you're dealing with hundreds of thousands of children of Israel? Hundreds of thousands. And they've committed thousands of sins apiece. That year and all of those sins are going to be transferred by one man which was not an angel, which was not a cherubim, which was not only transferring his neighbor's sins and his brother's sins, but his as well. And it was a man who could relate to other men. And as he would stand there, how could it be, Brother Donnie? I don't know how it could be. I just believe it was. I believe one man forfeited my rights and by transferal, he transferred me from the Garden of Eden to this place that we're living today. If one man can do that, why would it seem impossible for us to believe that God could lay on the man, Christ Jesus, all the sins of the elect, not only in the future, but also those, hallelujah, that live behind him in the church of ages in the Old Testament and transfer from us to him and then reverse that transfer and say, now I take his righteousness and I place it back on all of those who believe him oh Lord Jesus so he stands there and say I as the high priest of God lay all the sins mine inclusive and the sins of my people on the head of this goat. Then a clean man, notice what the Bible goes on to say, and shall send him away by the hand of a fit man into the wilderness. And the goat shall bear upon him 
all their iniquities unto a land not inhabited. And he shall let the goat let go the goat in the wilderness. Amen. So you got one goat that gives us life, and another goat that bears the sins of the sinners, and he goes out and wanders and roams. And no matter where he goes, it's this invisible load that's on this goat. All this drinking, all this lying, all this cursing, all this sin is on this live goat. You wonder that they thought in their mind, what what does this mean? What could it mean? Every year they'd done it, they was prophesying of your Redeemer. You imagine when that goat was taken out of the camp. Now, of course, we know whenever the Lord Jesus came upon the earth, this was still an application. By now, when the Lord Jesus is here, they have a spot about 12 miles outside of Jerusalem. And they still do this same thing. But the Lord Jesus in the type, amen, in the type as our sins were laid upon him and he suffered without the gate and they led him to the place of the skull. On the very same day, another man took a goat and led him 12 miles outside of Jerusalem in the wilderness and let him go. Oh my, little did they know another goat was not going to take its place. But it was in a way that God had hid it from Satan that the people could not comprehend it. How could they ever think their Messiah would become a serpent on a pole or a goat? God would allow himself the identification of being a goat. No wonder he could feel at home with whores and liars and prostitutes because he come to this world to take our sins upon himself. My friend, if you go to hell and you are lost, let me just reiterate it to you. It is because you choose to do so. The Lord Jesus, oh, you say, what if I'm not bright? Even if you're not bright, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him. I ain't talking about bride when I say whosoever, but that's those that'll even accept him. They are not of his own kind. They are not even in the Lamb's book of life. But God said, if you want to be saved you can be saved if you want to come in you can come in I'll let you if you want me to I'll redeem you did not God say to Cain do what your brother's done I'll accept you notice brother Branham says Christ was both goats that's right both death and resurrection you see He bore our sins away and then come forth in the resurrection. So it was Christ being represented for the church. He took the church's place, oh Lord, of sin and was cast into outer darkness, into hell and rose again the third day. And God raised him up for our justification. You believe it? Oh, friend, let me tell you, we we love 
God's prophets. We love pastors and evangelists and teachers. But no man could do this. We love and respect and admire Moses. Brother Branham and Paul and Peter and John. None of them was worthy to take that book. You're not saved by the blood of Paul or the blood of William Branham. We're saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. There was only one that was worthy when John looked there. Whenever the heavens was being searched and under the earth was being searched. What was it? Searching for one who could span the gap and be able to say, I understand God's side of this issue. And I understand man's side of this issue. Are you impartial to one or the other? I am not. I totally understand. Don't you see God in spirit for could not understand. How could David? I give him everything. I made him a credit king. I made his enemies to be at peace with him. I made him to conquer those that wouldn't be at peace with him. I blessed him with houses and lands and gold and silver and yet he took somebody else's wife. If you'd wanted more wives, I would have given you more wives. How could you have done that? He couldn't relate humanly. So the Lord Jesus must allow himself to feel the the pains of a pull of flesh and see how did David feel? How did others feel when they felt like going away? And then he could say, Father, I understand. I understand. But he also could stand on this side and say, but look, man, I understand because before I was you, I was God. Amen. Before I become you, I was God. And I stepped down from being the eternal to take on a body of time and understand your feelings that I could resolve these problems between you both. Let's read this again in 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. And all things are of God who has reconciled. The meaning of the word to change or exchange as coins for others of equivalent value. So you say... I'll give you $175,382.45 for that bottle of Gatorade. I'll say, I don't believe in taking advantage of idiots. And there's something mentally wrong with you. It only costs $1.69. Here, you can have it if you need it that bad. And this is the way people preach salvation. Here, you've got this loss, worse a scrap heap. And God gave the most precious gift that he had from his own being. And God transferred trash and junk for the most worthy thing in heaven. That's not the meaning of the word. So the meaning of the word is you take a gold dollar or a silver dollar and you trade it out for another exact silver dollar of the same value. I know this is mind boggling. I know, I know. You said, but I'm unworthy, I'm unworthy. You're still living under Pentecost. The way he looks at it, it is him that gives you your worth and value. But you keep adding up yourself. 
You keep looking at all your mistakes and your failures and your shortcomings and, and all those things about you. Oh my. Remember Brother Branham talking to the sister before the service and they recorded it and they was able to release it and then she talks to Brother Branham and, you know Brother Branham I have so many things about me it's not right and you know Brother Branham I've always wanted a place where I could just put my foot down and, and no Sister Georgie I've watched your life by vision. And I don't know of one thing. I'm your pastor. And if there was anything between you and God, can you imagine a prophet of God sitting there and looking at your life and your life is an open book. Sees you when you're by yourself, when you're alone, when you're with people and he sees your entire life as it's an open book and he sits there by vision. Sister Georgia, I don't see one thing. Oh, Lord, have mercy. I don't see one thing. If there was anything there, oh, but I've always wanted the place where I could be able to put my foot down and say, Brother Man refers to it and said, I advise that person, you know, to pray that maybe they could speak in tongues or something that would help them with their nature. Lord, have mercy. If the prophet of God had told me that there was nothing between me and God, I wouldn't need to shout it, but I would have. I wouldn't need to spoke in tongue, but I probably would have. Coming from the word of the Lord, and a prophet is looking at your life and sees absolutely nothing there. But what was she looking at? But I make so many mistakes. She said, but Sister Georgia, you don't look at that. You look at what your ah oh, desire. Ah, oh, there you are. You see, that desire matches his desire. When is it ever going to get through our hard heads? Our flesh don't match his flesh. Our weaknesses don't match his greatness. Our humanity does not match his great superlative way of power, but our desire matches his desire. That's the goal deposited in us. That's our wealth. Praise be to God. Look at the rest of the meaning of this word. Hence to reconcile those who are at variance. Return. Okay. Now, I have never been to Cape Town, South Africa. So how could I truthfully say, in September, I've got a trip planned to return to Cape Town, South Africa. Now, y'all heard me say that I've never been to Cape Town, South Africa. So then if I get up and say in a week from now, you're going to say, I thought he said he had never been there. He must have got messed up somehow. He must have got mixed up in his mind. Uh-huh. That's exactly what happens to us. We're still veiled with this whole thing of our humanity and we get messed up and we feel real jittery and funny about saying, I'm going back where I come from. Did I say that? Beulah land where my home has been. What did we do? We brought that song to the evening light. Well, praise the Lord. Now the author was a good author and he's a good singer and he penned a lot of songs. But some of these songs you have to kind of update them to the evening light. 
You say, I'm not going to where my home has been eternal, but you know, but well, I'm, one day I'm going to a place and I ain't never been there before. Well, yeah, you actually have. You don't remember it if your bride, you were there. Amen. And this comes to restore you. Don't you understand? We're on our way back home. Look, friends, I've traveled lots of different folks at places in the world and seen lots of different folks. And Brother Darrell can tell you, he's traveled more than I have. There's no place like home. That's right. I don't care how beautiful places are, how wonderful they are. There's something about it when you get on them plane or whatever more to head back home. You're counting down the miles or the hours, depending on which way it is. And you can't wait to get back home because there's something about home. Don't you understand why you feel the way you do? You're counting down every sunrise, every sunset, every trial, every test, everything you're going. Why? Because you wanted to go back home. And the closer we get, the greater the longing is. The more we see of this world. Oh, but we're not going to a place where I've never actually been there. No, physically you haven't. But you started. You come from there. Can I have a little bit more time? You see, he was endowed with both divine and human attributes. Divine and human understanding. Divine and human issue of both God and man. So as God, he could understand spirit God's complaint against the man. And he's not going to come down, you know, slip him a little money under the table and kind of pull a shady deal, you know, as some lawyers can do. And be able to talk to the judge and, you know, we'll be able to do this. No, no, no. He must understand. So in his God form, he understood exactly what must be met. But in his man form... He could look at it and say, this is hard. Imagine God. God ever saying, this is tough. Wow. This is stressful. God never thought the word stress. But Jesus did. Jesus was stressed. I imagine that Jesus probably had stress headaches. Felt pain, agony, sorrow. He looked at that Calvary and looked at what was going to happen. He said, is there any way that this can be done some other, some other program? If it be your will, let this cup pass from me. People say, oh, that's, that's pitiful. That's such weakness to me. That is such greatness. It's echoing. It's echoing. The man is speaking before the cup. His drink. Amen. He was acquainted with both parties and could justly stand between the divine and the human and say, I completely, fully understand your side and your side. I am truly God and I am truly so that makes me the God man I understand how you feel I understand then he's back my father 
my great invisible eternal Father that lives in my body, your justice must be met. And I promise you, it will be met in me. But remember, he must not make that choice as divine. He must make that choice as completely human. Glory to God. He knew the Father in so much that he said, No man knoweth the Father save the Son. And then he knew men, and this is why John could say that he, he knew all men. That's why no man need to tell him about any man. The only person that that could ever be said about. <laughs> oh, glory. He knew man so well, but yet he knew God so well. Here's the mystery of reconciliation in the act of kenosis. Praise God. Notice this. On the part of man, he will even pray, not as deity in the garden, but in the weakness of man. If it be thy will. If it be thy will. Notice this. Brother Ram says, Believest thou this? Remember Jesus had all the qualities of the Father in him. Do you believe that? Sure he did. All the fine gifts of God was in Christ his Son. For he was the offspring of God. But notice when he met Satan, for your example, he never used one gift on him. When Satan came to him, he said, it is written. Again, he said, now God, who is in spirit, unveiled himself in a body of flesh, which was his son, Christ Jesus. And God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself and becoming kinfolks to human beings to suffer the penalty that he had put on the human himself and he became kin folks and a redeemer again he said God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself and God is a spirit he had no hands till he become Jesus now here's the mystery of the Godhead he had no hands until he become Jesus he had no hands till he become Jesus. He had no feet, arms, legs, and so forth till he become Jesus. This is my part of the earth, and from this part of the earth will I redeem the rest of it. God had no permanent human body until he become Jesus. He could have made that human body back there in the Garden of Eden. He could have made his own body first out of the dust of the earth in the Garden of Eden. But instead, he waited years and years later to bring his body after bringing his son's body. Praise be to God in order to perform the work of reconciliation. Notice this. Oh my, had no feet, arms, legs, and so forth till he become Jesus. No man has seen the Father at any time, but the only begotten that declared him. He, God, dwelt in the body of Christ. Now this was at a tremendous time of our Lord's meeting or earthly ministry. Listen to this. I believe that his earthly ministry has never ceased. 
because he is in his people now. Amen. I believe in the continuing ministry, all right, but it ain't the ministry of this man or that man or that man that's gone beyond the grave. I believe in the continuing ministry of Jesus Christ who is in his people now. God was in Christ. Christ in the people. And he's doing the same works now that he did then. The same yesterday, today, and forever. Oh, praise God. But in this Jesus, he saw something that no man had. He saw God living in a human being. But we read what he was, then what he is today. What God was in Christ. Your brother, redeemer. That's what he is in you. As a redeemed child. You imagine God becoming our redeemer brother. Hold on. But the real ordained of God. The real gene. That real germ. A soul of God. That was in God before the foundation of the world. A soul of God that was in God before the foundation of the world. Remember you that's really got the Spirit of God in you tonight. You were in Christ because He was the fullness of the Word. He was the fullness of the Godhead bodily. God was in Christ reconciling the world to Himself. Do you believe that? He was in Christ. Then if you were in God, a gene, a word, a attribute from the beginning, then you walked with him on earth. Hallelujah. You walked with him on earth. You talked with him on earth. You suffered with him on earth. You died with him at Calvary. And you rose with him again. And now you're sitting in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, communing with him the word as it feeds into your soul. just talking about saved people I'm talking about reconciled people a soul of God that was in God a soul of God that was in God the church age book the Bible teaches that God was in Christ the body was Jesus in him dwelt the fullness of the Godhead bodily Nothing can be plainer than that. Mystery, yes, but actual truth. It can't be plainer. So if he wasn't three people then, he can't be three now. God never had hands before Jesus. That ought to pretty much consummate the whole thing. He never had fleshly eyes. He never had fleshly hands and toes and feet until Jesus. Oh my, let me go a little bit farther. My, my, super sign. Jehovah God became man, took on our stock. 
divorced himself from God. Notice, he crossed himself before he ever bore the cross. He crossed himself, made himself man. There's the sign. He become, he was God and become man. Not rich man, but a poor man. Why did he become a baby? That first little toothless mouse opened in that manger on that first crib that first Christmas morning. And his little manger crib and his first little yell were from his voice. That was God crying. <laughs> not the second person, not the third person, but the person. Jehovah crying, a man come from God and was man, every whip man, come to the world with nothing but steel man. What was he trying to do? What was he proposing, purposing rather? He cried like a baby in a manger. He played like a boy on the street. He toiled like a man, yet he was Emmanuel. This is the super sign. Listen now. God dwelling in the creation that he created. The super sign. The super sign. The same yesterday, today, and forever. This is what the ministry of reconciliation is trying to move us into that phase to where we never deify our body. We never deify our flesh. No, sir. We never deify that. It is mortal. It is full of fault and mistake. But by revelation, look past the veil and look where the mercy seat is. And what do we see? We don't see another part of a human being. We see a soul of God that was in God. Amen. That has already been crowned with gold, which represents deity. Oh, Lord. This is the super sign. God dwelling in the creation that he created the super sign. It shall be unto you. Let me read just another one or two. Jehovah God on earth as a fugitive, a pilgrim in the land that he created. Rejected and pushed and laughed at and scoffed at. A stumbling stone to the unbeliever. A rock of an offense. A devil. To the religious world. But an eternal sign. Notice Brother Ram does not say a time sign. It was an eternal sign. Which means we will be worshiping this same thing in eternity. Which is what? Jehovah unveiled in his body of humanity. Jesus is the first fruits of the resurrection. The first of the new race. Amen. What will it be living inside this honeymoon city? It will be again these same type of people that are residents inside the city. Glory be to God. Thank you, Lord. God thought, listen to this now, God thought it would appeal to the human race. What if God thought that? There's got to be somebody to receive that thought. Because he don't have a vain thought. He said, oh, I messed up. I, I shouldn't have thought that. Wow, I can't believe that. That, that. that got me by surprise. I thought somebody would receive this. And ain't nobody received it. If he thought it, somebody's going to be here to receive it. 
God thought it would appeal to the human race that our God would be one of us. That he would cross himself, listen to this children, and become our dust. That he would become our stock. A human stock. The creator who made all things. Another thing. The word was made dust. Flesh. And dwelt among us. So Jehovah, the word become human, became dust. And tabernacle with us. God making himself Tearing out, rooting out all evil, bringing into submission the flesh, the dust that He created, and live with you as a partner. That you and Him are partners, your buddies, your partnership together, and what? The ministry and the word of reconciliation. Guess what? Not only is Jesus going to take this earth over, so are we. Paul didn't say the world is waiting for the manifestation of Jesus. He said it's waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. Glory be to God. Let me read this one more because God had to become a kinsman. Near, I want you to see it. He never become kinfolk altogether to the rich, to the mighty. But he was born in a stable wrapped in swaddling cloths. Not to, to the adult, but to the child. He was God over the creation. He chose to do it. Not come a full matured man. He came that he might suffer the feelings of little babies. Now mothers, all of you mothers that have had children and they cry and cry, you try this, you try that. Oh, my baby, my baby. Well, what, what does it want? In reality, there's only one who can relate to that baby when it cries. And that's the Lord Jesus. He wanted to feel pain, anxiety, and whatever it is, we don't even know to this day still. You may have mothered one child or 15 or 50. In reality, you still don't know what they were crying for. But he does. And he didn't want to be a full-grown man like Adam. But he said, I want to become a baby. And I want to feel pain and I want to feel gas in my little belly. I want my belly to hurt and I want to kick my little feet. And I'm going to squall and I'm going to cry. Mary's going to give me goat's milk and she's going to give me this and that and the other and mint and she's going to give me all kinds of things and it ain't going to help it. But I want to feel what the rest of these babies feel like. So mama, the next time yours goes to crying, call on your high priest. Lord Jesus, you see my baby. You see what's going on? Pop, pop, I don't know what it is. But I lay my hands on my baby. I call the name of the Lord Jesus who was a baby himself one day. 
Aren't you glad he didn't just become to the rich? Only the rich would be able to relate to him. But he come at the very bottom of the barrel. He come without nothing. He didn't have one acre of ground. He never owned one hog. He never owned one horse. He never owned one buggy. He owned one garment and that was wore plumb out as far as we know whenever he left this world. But he come to the very bottom of the ladder of humanity so everybody from the bottom up could be able to accept him if they wanted him. He come that he might go through teenage temptations. Let's stand together. I'm running out of time. He came that he might go through teenage temptations. Now remember Jesus was 13, 14, 15, 16, on up to 19. As a boy who was raised under the law, at 12, he would have had his bar mitzvah. He was then a man in the eyes of the Jews. He could take the Torah into the synagogue and read the scripture and comment on it. He faced teenage temptations, teenage struggles without the Holy Ghost. He become a 16-year-old boy. His hormones changing in his body. 15, 16, 17, 18. And maybe naturally feeling about girls and thinking toward girls. Come on, don't stand there and look at me that way. He chose to do that. Kenosis. He emptied himself. And allowed himself to live 30 years without the Holy Ghost. He lived a longer life without it than he did with it. But I'm so glad that he did. Because if he had only, if he'd come here to the earth full of the Holy Ghost from the womb, or full of the Holy Ghost from the cradle, how he could relate to those of us who had many years in the stages of our journey that we didn't have the Holy Ghost. He said, well, I can't hear your prayer because you don't have the Holy Ghost. I only understand Holy Ghost people. He actually understands those who struggle with sins. He never sinned himself, but he allowed himself to feel it without the Holy Ghost. Praise God. My friends, this is why we will be without excuse at the day of judgment. Praise God. Praise God. Let's jump down here, Brother Daniel, if you would, to paragraph 76. I'm going to pick this up again Wednesday night so y'all get to hear this at home. Maybe again Wednesday night. Part of it. Watch this. You're talking about powerful. Watch God and His ways of work when He created the heavens and the earth. He called the angels together and said, Let us. Every place in the scripture when he did, mostly everything. Talking about the Lord Jesus. Now he said, not me, but my father. But when it come to the plan of redemption, he came alone. Nobody was with him. He was the only one that could come. An angel couldn't do it. Another man called his son couldn't do it. So Jesus was not another being of the Godhead. 
It wasn't let us. It was here I come in the volume of the book. Another man called his son couldn't do it. One called something else a holy virgin or a holy mother or some saint couldn't do it. God had to come. I'll give you a sign. A virgin shall conceive. A baby will be born. And it'll be Emmanuel, God with us. The super sign. God in his people. God with his people. God become his people. Lord God in his people. God with his people, which was Jesus. God become his people. Friends, this is the evening light message. God and man became one, a sign of stumbling back to the world. But a blessed hope for the believer, a sign that will be even spoken of. When Emmanuel become to the womb of a woman, instead of appearing as a theophany, he did not appear as a theophany to fight the devil as a form of theophany. He said as it was in the days of Lot, so it would have been the coming of the Son of Man. His coming is just exactly the way it was prophesied of him. And listen to this prophecy. It shall be light in the evening time. What was to happen? Glory to God. Emmanuel, the same Son, the same light, the same God that come to dwell in flesh with his people at that day of Pentecost will come in like manner in the last days. For it shall be evening light. What is it? There shall be a sign. An everlasting sign. God with us. God in us. God through us. Man and God becomes one. I know in our minds it's much easier to go back 2,000 years ago. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus died. They gave the precious life that on his decision, last Sunday's message, because he gave it for a decision that he might bring many sons to God. Emmanuel with us. The evening light people, it would attract them. The evening light people. So God let the light shine. And the evening light people. It attracted them. Mama said, no, no, no. You get to get away from that. And the pastor, which was the pastor of that chicken coop that you was in. You were sitting up there in that old roost pole as an eagle. You was out of place all of your life. And that old pastor rooster around out. It's a cow. It's a cow. It's a cow. I got tapeworms. Stay away from them. But you was drawn by that evening light. Oh my, you were so mesmerized by that light. What's your mama going to think? What's your daddy going to say? What's Uncle Silas going to think? I don't care what Uncle Silas thinks. All I know is I'm hypnotized. I'm mesmerized. I'm magnetized. Glory be to God. I'm magnetized by this light. It's attracting me. Emmanuel with us. The evening light people I'm trying my best to close 
when God gave the sign, this will be a sign, God dwelling in human, God dwelling in flesh, he thought that would attract the people. Can anybody say the two words? Are they your words? Are they your words? It did. For as many as received him to them, gave he excusia, authority, to come to pass. Not to change you from a chicken to an eagle, but to bring you to pass. To become the sons of God is actually a word which was spoken that was materialized in your day to come to pass. It gave you the power to come to pass. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And it's supposed to attract the evening light people when that same light shows. God and Christ are one. Christ and the bride are one. Oh, it attracted a lot of other folks too. And they stayed around for a while, but they realized this wasn't what they was looking for. I feel sorry for them, but eventually it had to happen. So, you know, they come and they partake of it and they'll be judged at the end of it. But I'm so glad it attracted me. And it's still attracting me. Praise God. Aren't you glad you know it is at night time? You brothers even have fish sometimes at night time. You know how they do fishermen around the world over in, in Vietnam and, and some of those places over there in Guam. Whenever they fish, they actually catch these birds. And they, they, they catch them as little bitty tiny chicks. And they take them into their home and they start training them. Little bitty old fellas. And they're natural fish. They're, they're natural fishers. So they go out and they've got a pretty long beak. And they begin to teach them. But what they want to teach them is to be able to fish for them. Now, what they will do then, once they've trained these birds, they will take them out in the nighttime and they will set a big bright light on the front end of their boat. And then all the fish are gathered to around this light. And then they'll take these birds, you know, they got a pretty good size wingspan, big old feet, and they go down and they're able to go like 35, 40 feet down into the water. And then they will take and put something right around its goose or right around in here. Now, the reason for that is they don't want that bird swallowing that fish. They wanted fishing for them, and that's it. And they'll give them a little snack every now and then. And then they turn them all loose. But you know what helps? It's not just the birds. It's the light. And the light begins to grow. And what does it do? It draws hundreds and hundreds of fish. And then birds will go in. And the first thing they do, they get it. They retrieve the fish, come back up. And them guys will catch hundreds of fish in a nighttime because of the light. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, hallelujah. What can I be? What's this message got for me? Well, can I be the second district presbyter? Can I be the bishop? Can I be this, that, the other? That ain't what attracted me, brother. There was something about the way this man talked about Jesus I thought I want more of it amen don't you love him with all your heart praise God paragraph 110 brother Daniel I am so sorry well no I'm not I'm not sorry I've been wanting to preach to you all forever let me read this and we'll pray the message is revived again in the last days the message of who he is What he is, Emmanuel, dwelling in you, doing the same works he did, manifest himself through you, the very same things that he did. It's the evening light. God and Christ are one.
reconciliation through kenosis. This is what he desired. That God could live in us. Let's bow our heads. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Father, we thank you for the revival of the message of deity. The revival, Lord, is not gathering hundreds and thousands around this man and that man and making him a great celebrity and making this church something and that church something else. The revival of the message is to revive the people to an understanding of Emmanuel. That it's not just God and His prophet. We thank you for that. It's not just God in the ministry, but it's God in the housewife, God in the farmer, God in the factory worker. Praise God. This is the bride's revival. Oh, Jesus, how we thank you for it, Lord. If there's anything between us today, Lord, in our hearts, our walks, would you let it be taken away, Lord Jesus? We know that what you desire is children filled with your spirit and having constant fellowship. Once we're born, Satan cannot break the token, the, the bloodline. So then he refocuses the rest of our life on trying to break our fellowship. Just trying to get us to do things or say things or get carnal or whatever more that will break our fellowship away from you and we're yours but you can't fellowship with us because there's a besetting sin in our life or some type of hard feeling or calloused or something another, Lord. And Satan can go before your throne and still accuse us. How long has it been since you've been able to talk to Donnie? You and Donnie on speaking terms? He's your son, ain't he? He's saved? Oh, I see what it is. It's, uh, it's that preacher that talked about him. He's having a hard time forgiving him. He justifies himself by having an alt in his heart. So you can't really talk with him, can you? Forgive us, Lord. Forgive us, Lord, for letting anything get in our way. Oh, Jesus, help us today. We love you, Father. How many of you would like to be remembered today before the Lord? Visible and invisible. God bless you, saints. Sorry I went a little bit long, but I got to catch up. <laughs> Amen. Lord Jesus, would you minister to every heart today, Father? Thank you, Lord, for this, this Sunday that we could start regathering again, Lord. I thank you. I hope I behave myself. Brother Ron texted me, Spencer texted me this morning, or last night it was, and told me not to kill myself today, first service. I hope I was able to be able to compose myself enough to bring it, Lord. Lord Jesus, Thank you for our restored friendship. We're friends. We're buddies. We're pals. Lord God, help me that I can have a ministry and a word of reconciliation. If one of my brothers or sisters get out of fellowship, they get cold, they backslide. Help me, God, to be able to have a logos of reconciliation that will bring them back. Lord, not only to fellowship, but if Satan comes between them and their health, 
Lord God, I've given also a ministry of reconciliation. Remember that they were talking about it before service. What you did there that day, but turning the water into wine. You sped up the natural process of what could take place. Hallelujah. Them grapes could have pulled that water in and turned it into wine, but you simply sped up the process. That's what divine healing and a miracle does. Speeds up the process. That's what we're looking for, Lord, is that miracle of all miracles, the body change. Speed up the process of the supernatural. Touch your children. Lord, I know there's a lot of sickness. There's so much stuff going on. Lord, fear, trauma. Lord, as I read it last night, that the mental health people and those evaluating the state that we're in, they predict that 75,000 people or better in the United States will die because of suicide and because of depression and because of all the things that's happening during this pandemic. Lord Jesus, may you help us. Lord, we don't, we don't know what all politicians is doing. We know we can't trust them. They're like the devil. You can't trust them. But Lord, we're, we're so glad to know our lives are not under the control of politicians. If they go to try to do this and that and other, they can only do as you will allow them to do. If they try to step over it, you still got power of life. You can take them right out of the way. The president included. Whoever it is, God. We claim our liberties. We claim those things until the appropriated time, if it ever comes, that you will allow them to take them. Whenever it's taken away from us, we'll be ready for the change close anyhow. Heal our land, Lord. People are so distraught with fear. They're so tore up. God, would you speak peace to your children. Speak peace to the troubled hearts of Happy Valley and those, Lord, that string the services. Oh, Father, in the name of Jesus, step to the bow of every ship this morning, Lord. That's trouble. Maybe over their job, over their health, and over this virus. Satan, in the name of Jesus, I say you are a liar. We refuse to heed to your pride, to your sin, to your fear, to your intimidation. You ain't nothing but a bluff. And we say today, you are a liar. Our Lord Jesus has already defeated you, Satan. Take your hands off of God's property. In the name of Jesus Christ. Praise God. Amen. Hey, let's just sing something together. Can we just worship him a little before we go? Oh, praise the Lord. I will resume three services a week, Lord willing. We'll begin again here Wednesday night and then Saturday night and then Sunday again. And hopefully we won't have to do this broken up thing very long. Hopefully we can be able to, to resume, resume the full attendance again. But let's make the very best out of it. Whatever we have, let's just absolutely make the very best that we have. You agree? We got the privilege to come. Let's worship. Let's sing. Let's do everything we can. Let's just sing a little before we go. God bless you. Love you so much. My chains are gone. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you. Lord I've Jesus. been set free. Thank you, Lord Jesus. My God, my Savior, ransom me.
sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. shackled people today <laughs> free to worship him in spirit and in truth amen how the world wants to make him such an impersonal God but surely friends we could see today these quotes and the way brother Donnie brought these things out just how personal God wants to be with you he wants to be your buddy <laughs> when you're driving down the road, when you're out working in your backyard, he wants to fellowship with you. He's both creator and sustainer. He maintains his people. What a privilege it is today. Have you enjoyed being in the house of God? <laughs> Amen. Amen. We 
so kind of an honor to be able to be here. Remember now, we're going to dismiss by rows, so don't just leave. And the service is over. The deacons will help you get out. And may the Lord bless you richly this week and take these things and regurgitate them and chew on them again and let the vitamins of the word transform you. Amen. So grateful to serve a living God, aren't you? The evening light, that it's, it's, not, a, it's not a sign on the church. It's, it's not a song that we sing, but the evening light is a people. It's you. You are the evening light manifested on the earth. God with his people. God in his people. God is his people. What a powerful revelation. God is his people. Amen. Let's just bow our heads once more. I sure love and appreciate you. I count it such an honor to be able to serve the Lord with you. Heavenly Father, I am so glad that we can call you Father. And Lord, how that that means, it means more to us today, Lord, than, than it has in past days. Lord, when we've said it, maybe we've not fully understood it the way we do now as the word continues to unfold on out and becomes more of a reality in our lives. But truly, Lord, we're so grateful today. To be able to say that you're our father. Lord, that when we, when we go to heaven, we're not going to a place we've never been, Lord. We're just simply going back home. Oh, Lord, we thank you for these things today, Lord. Now, Father, we come to the end of the service. I pray, Lord, you be with each one as they travel home today. Bless our mothers, Lord, today. Those whose mothers are still living. Lord, may it just be a special day for them, we pray. God, we just love you. We just thank you so much. Lord, I, I just don't know how to express what's in my heart to you, Lord. But go with you people now. Watch over us, Lord. Keep us in the center of your will. Thank you, Lord, for Calvary. Thank you for reconciling me back to yourself. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Go with you people now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. God bless you, saints. All right, I guess just play something. Morning, I see you in the sunrise every morning. It's like a picture that you've painted for.
Surround.